What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also check out Five Reasons YouTube channel. Plenty of content there even during the heat offseason and FiveReasonsSports.com. Make sure you spell that one out. We have a new betting partner at Five Reasons Sports. It's Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E. Dot com backslash five reasons. Make sure you use that URL because that'll get you $20 to play. This is peer-to-peer betting, so it is legal in 45 states, including the state of Florida. You don't have to worry about all that offshore stuff. And the best part is you can find the line you want because basically, like I said, it's peer-to-peer. So it's sort of like betting with your friends, okay? If you decide you want a line, you, they pick the line, and then the odds come up based on that. So go to betteredge, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com backslash five reasons. Still plenty to bet on before the NFL season starts, although we're really going to be ramping it up then. And now, tonight's episode. Down to Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. I am your host, Greg Sylvander. With me, uh, no Ethan, no Brady. It's Alex Toledo. Follow him at Tropical Blanket on Twitter. Um, I'm at Greg Sylvander. Tonight's floor plan, an episode that... um, it's really funny that Ethan uh, gave uh, basically like turned this topic over to us for today. And it's interesting that I'm leading the, this episode. We're going to talk about what we perceive to be the top five Pat Riley, quote unquote, air quote, mistakes, blunders throughout his tenure uh, in Miami. Anybody who knows me knows that um, I'm obviously a fan of Pat Riley. Uh, The godfather, Avi, lived um, in infamy for years as I went by Lefty Leif, uh, you know, on Twitter. And obviously going through this, there's a lot more stuff that would be positive. So I'm prefacing all of this by saying that this is in no way uh, me trying to poke holes at Pat Riley. But we got to get into trying to get to like the five things that we can identify are the worst, Alex. So um, 
I'm gonna dive right into the list. Where do you feel about, and I'm gonna mention it because you went to it first off, Michael Beasley at number two overall. Is it even in contention for the top five? No, it's not in contention for a top five. You knew I was gonna say that, that's why you asked, but really like, I, I will never regret the Michael Beasley pick. I, I was actually just watching, it's funny you say that because I was just watching a video on him the other day, shout out Ben Pfeiffer. Uh, he's a good follow on basketball Twitter and he, he puts up stuff on YouTube and he was just going through Beasley as like a college player and, you know, his pros and cons and just watching him again and, and what he was doing in college. Like he was such a good prospect and we know like what happened with him, right? He was uh, very much a bucket getter not a playmaker. Um, and, you know, plenty of on-court stuff as far as like the, the cons that come with somebody who was all about getting buckets and not very much about other things, right? Even though he was a strong rebounder, just in general, I think he was an unbelievable prospect. And I remember at that time, kind of the, I think that there wasn't really a consensus number one. I remember that it was kind of back and forth between Bees and Derrick Rose. And I think OJ Mayo would get some love here and there, but those are the three guys. And I was, you know, maybe it's just because I'm looking at it from a kid's eyes. You know, when I was, a kid watching the Heat draft Beasley, I was super excited for that. I was kind of anticipating it. Um, it felt like the Bulls were going to draft Rose at the time. And so I always had it in my mind that, you know, he was going to be that guy for them. He obviously wasn't, right? I mean, I, I really do believe that he could come in and, and be like a, you know, 14th man, 12th man for a team and actually put up buckets. But um, you can, we, we could probably say that was a mistake. We could probably say that was a mistake. The thing is, I won't, I just can't put it in my top five. Like, I think there's other things we're going to go through here. And the Beasley thing to me, it was just like, you know, it didn't work out, man. He was just one of those prospects at the time between him, Rose and Mayo. You had to go with one of those guys. And it's not like OJ Mayo penned out either. <laughs> like I know there was other great players in that draft for sure. You know, they, they could have had Westbrook. They could have had Kevin Love. I think uh, Brooke Lopez was in that draft as well. I feel like I'm forgetting others, but um, Beasley at that point, he was like consensus top three. No doubt. They, I mean, it's tough to be too difficult with uh, Riley specifically on the Beasley pick. Uh, I think you're right. It, it won't end up in the top five when we go through a few of these other ones. Um, I'm going to stick to the draft theme here. Um, what do you think about not taking the Boston Celtics draft pick package for Justice Winslow? That's that one was that, that caught my eye on your list there. And um it's interesting to me because when I was thinking about it, it, I was thinking about Danny Ainge and his reputation of being very much of a leaker when it comes to trades and kind of the, the reputation that he has for being a guy who is always coming out and almost making trades, right? Like past the trade deadline, you can always, the, the joke was that you could always expect there to be a report about how Danny Ainge came this close to trading for insert player here. And so that just kind of sits around in my head when I'm thinking about just the justice stuff, because I'm like, was were all those picks even offered or was that something Danny Ainge threw out there to, uh, you know, uh, make himself seem active or whatever his agenda was at that time. So it's, I'm skeptical of that being that big of a mistake. The other thing is we all know at that time that justice Winslow was not supposed to be there at number 10. They, I, I believe the, the thing was that he didn't even work him out because they weren't expecting him for him to be, you know, available when they were, when they chose him at 10, and look, it's it looks bad because I believe Devin Booker was Devin Booker was picked the the pick directly after Justice, if I have that right. And so I think that's why people look back on it negatively. 
I'm always going to be a justice better guy. And I, and the thing with, with justice was he was a solid player before he got hurt. Um, and I think he was really coming into his own. It was kind of an awkward transition. It was do, during some transition years where like, you know, he was a rookie year in the last year that they were very, very competitive and good. And I thought he was a really nice role player as a rookie for them. Right. And then despite all the offensive flaws, he became a better standstill shooter. He could really, you know, make some plays um, with the ball in his hands. He was a really good rebounder for his position, just things that, you know, matter on the floor. So even though he was never going to be um, a star player or anything close to that, even though we had some of those hopes when he was drafted, I think he, he was still a pretty good player while he was here and then ended up netting them a couple of role players who were huge in their finals run. So I think sure. the Winslow thing for me, again, it might be the bias. I'm, I'm definitely a justice guy, always been a Beasley guy. For me, it's hard to put those in the top five. Now, I want to hear what you think about those two specifically. No, I, I, neither one of them make the top five. I'm with you there. I, 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 the draft is not where I think the biggest faults are. I think, um, truthfully, the Winslow thing could have gone either way in terms of those picks. They're just not an organization that values taking draft picks that way. And in hindsight, when you look at it, you're like, you know, I think one of them, wasn't it Jalen Brown, one of those picks? That makes it difficult. If it was, I don't even remember. I'm just going off the cuff. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. Um, one of those picks, I think, ended up turning into Jalen Brown. But I get confused because I believe also J one of those picks was like, that was the Brooklyn pick, right? That was the pick that they had, that they had gotten from Brooklyn that they were that's off. Right. That's right. So I don't know where that e pick even fell. So I don't even know who that player was. So that, and might have been I think you're right about that. Uh, I'm going off the cuff. So a couple of the other ones, though, that I think that I we can – um, narrow down because I, I want to give the, the listeners a little bit of the list here because these are more related to, I think, team building. Uh, I think running back the 06 team is something that fans would look at as a potential uh, misstep in terms of knowing when to cut uh, loose that particular team. Riley also kept the Zoe, Timmy, and Mash core together a little too long. I think most fans would say that, that maybe it was just a year too long or so. Uh, so I think that that is worth a mention. Uh, and the last one uh, that's kind of related to team building. So I, I'm grouping these here for efficiency's sake is when they had prime Dwayne, like prime, prime Dwayne, let's just say 07 to 09 or so that, and they were in a holding pattern gearing up for the greatest free agent coupon in NBA history. I get it. Uh, but man, they didn't really put much around Dwayne Wade in those years. So of, of those, oh, oh my gosh, we got to throw in these two because they're also kind of related to team building. And that's Mo Harkless, Avery Bradley off of the finals run. That one is, is pretty egregious. Here's one. Giving the long-term contracts to Dion, Kelly Olenek, and JJ all in the same offseason. So these are all kind of team building stuff. I think we're getting to the heart of some of the ones that may rise up the list here. If I have to punch one of these up there, I think the Dion JJ off season definitely makes the top five. Are we right? We can, we, we can agree there. Yeah. I was actually going to say, and I think, you know, I was trying to see if that was going to be in the top five. I kind of, that was one of the first that came to my head because it's, you know, it lives in infamy, like you said, and, and that summer it's just like, <laughs> You were going after Kevin Durant. You were going after Gordon Hayward. And there's kind of some parallels to this summer, right? Not all the way, right? It's not apples to apples. But as far as just like, you know, they're always in the whale hunt. And it's, again, with Kevin Durant, that was the first time. And I think they ended up kind of in, 
maybe tied for a second with Boston at that point. It didn't work out. The Hayward thing didn't work out. Uh, Boston ended up getting him. And then you just end up giving these four-year deals to guys who nobody was very high on at all, whether it was Kelly Olenek, Dion, or James Johnson. I, I, you know, it came after such an incredible run. And I think it's hard to – I mean, it's easy to miss that, right? Because that 30-11 and 11 run was actually, like – unbelievable like <laughs> the guys who were leading that team during that run that's not something that happens like the teams that make those kinds of stretches in the second half of the season are usually the ones that get far in the playoffs and i remember that was one of those seasons where the heat missed it the the playoffs by like a game or something yeah, in it they just you ran know, out of gas happened a couple of times during that era there with Goran, justice Hassan, etc where like they, they would end up a game short of the playoffs or something like that don't miss that at all but Really, Dion and James Johnson were so damn good during that run. Like, they actually looked like they deserved that money. That's the crazy part about it because we're looking back at it now five years later, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, that was a, un- that was a terrible offseason. They did too much. Uh, they were too loyal, whatever. But at the time, the season that they had just finished playing, it's like, okay, those guys might actually be worth that. They're like, I, I, I want people to go back and look at the 2016-17 Deion Waiters and James Johnson stats specifically in the second half. I wish I had them on me and maybe I should have looked them up because I remember they were ridiculous. Like they were both really good regardless. It's in the top five. And I know you threw a bunch of others there. I think Harless and Bradley, the Moharkless Avery Bradley off season two summers ago. Um, it's probably got to be up there. And I, I don't know if all of this is like recency bias, but it's just two of the more, um, I think memorable ones because, you know, maybe a lot of this is, is, is thematic in the sense that it, it starts off with high expectations. You know, you're coming off a finals run. Uh, you're expecting, you know, nice moves around the margin and you end up with Bradley and Harkless and neither one of those guys end up being rotation players for you. Right. Yeah. I just, uh. and then that's on top of losing Jay Crowder. So that off season, I think probably has to be in the top five. We, we know that they were in the Giannis hunt. So again, with the theme, right? Like, this is a team that is about what they say they're about and they show it. Right. Very and true. That- the ones, the ones that I wanted to lob up to you, um, not putting better teams around prime Dwayne from 07 and 09 and the Tim, uh, Zoe and mash stuff. Obviously I cannot comment on that, but <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> the Wade stuff really is. It, it, it was like, I thought Jermaine O'Neal and Sean Marion would be nice players for the heat. Like I really did, but definitely looking back at it, those teams were not very talented at all. And Wade taking them to 43 and 47 wins was actually a real accomplishment because the talent just did not match. And then yeah. as far as Zoe, Timmy and, and Mash, I want to hear more from, from you about that and the Dwayne thing, just because I feel like that's a perspective that's not really talked about. Obviously it's been a long time, but I think that's something that you should definitely go in on a little bit. Well, the, the thing with, the Dwayne stuff, uh, I didn't get past it because we have also the benefit of the hindsight of the big three coming together and that incredible four-year run. So uh, that's another one where they also were making attempts at getting guys. They even, I think, signed a couple guys to offer sheets along the way. Tried to trade for Amari in one um, of those trade deadlines. Yeah, they, they definitely um, pushed hard for that in advance of the deadline because he was an expiring contract, so it kept the flexibility alive. So they tried to do stuff, and it just didn't necessarily materialize. So I don't fault them for that because they were staying flexible. It's funny, the parallels with this offseason, it's like the, the, the go broke or you hit the big swing with Harkless and Bradley. Um, 
I don't know that they had anyone that they were necessarily, I mean, like, yeah, we talked about Giannis, I guess, but the BAM extension kind of squashed that. Um, but it was rough, like to go to the NBA finals, to have Jay Crowder leave, and then to replace it with two players that you could not even throughout the entire season use on prize picks. Like they didn't even play well enough to have their stats put up as props. You want to go to prize picks, either download the app, prizepicks.com is the website. You're going to use the code five. This is the key for your daily fantasy um, instant bonus up to $100. You'll get your deposit matched if you use the code five on prize picks. It's super easy. You pick the over and under on player props to win up to 10 times your cash. You can play all different sports. Uh, they have huge payouts, 650 million plus right now. Um, fast, secure withdrawals, super easy, nothing sketch about it whatsoever. It's a lot of fun. Right now, there's a lot of great WNBA props up, MLB props up, NFL futures. Use the code five, F-I-V-E, to get your deposit matched up to $100. But again, like, yeah, Mo Harkless and um, and Avery Bradley, they did not get used on prize picks because they were not good enough. Um, and and you, you did tap me on the shoulder about Pat Riley back in the Zoe Timmy Mashburn era. And like, is that that egregious of an offense? And, and I don't know that it is because truthfully. It was their first successful run. Yeah. Like it's hard for me to be too critical about that because they had never been that good. So it was difficult to just punt on that team when you knew you had at least a 55 win group or a 50 win group, a, a top three team, a great defense. Um, so, so I don't know. I kind of feel like so far. I think the same can be said for 07. I mean, uh, running back the 06 team in 07, because that's yes. kind of where I stand. I forgot to say that before, but I thought it was just like, you know, that's the title team. Shaq is just an all-time player. And that drop-off was nasty. I don't know if we could have seen it coming that bad because to go from winning the title, getting swept in the first round by the Ben Gordon, Ben Wallace, Luol Deng, Chicago Bulls is a pretty steep drop. That's true. I'm surprised I didn't go to that one directly after Michael Beasley because that was the, uh, the, you know, the direct correlation. See, if Ethan was playing point guard tonight, he would have made that connection quicker. But um, we're bouncing all around here. Um, so there's a couple more and I've strategically not gone to them yet because I think that they're going to immediately catapult some of the ones that we've talked about. Uh, let me make sure that we didn't, I'm going through the list. This is great audio uh, here. Let, let's, let's get to this one. Assets during the big three era. So it was such a great haul to get the big three. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, 
flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They got them to take less so that UD and Mike Miller would be uh, on the roster. But then as you look throughout those years, they did not necessarily manage draft picks, assets, find undrafted talent to continue to supplement that roster and reshape the, the, the guys around it. Um, they did some financial stuff with Mike Miller and Joel Anthony that I don't think was the greatest for chemistry. Uh, and that was like a generational type group. Is that in contention for being in the top five? Cause I'm leaning in that direction. I kind of feel like as we've gone through these, cause I've only got one more and everybody I bet that's listening knows where I'm going to go with it. Um, I feel like, you know, the, the Dion JJ offseason was pretty bad. The Mo Harkless Bradley offseason was pretty bad. And then this might be the one in terms of that, like, in retrospect, Alex, do you get rid of Mike Miller and Joel, Joel Anthony for financial reasons? It's tough, man, because I, I would have to go back. I, I'm trying to remember what the situation was at that time. I know they were doing that to avoid the luxury tax, possibly – repeater tax i'm not 100 sure we know that just in general miller and anthony were cut for financial reasons you mentioned that there was a chemistry thing um you know just in, in a negative way after losing those guys it was also a depth thing right like those guys had proven that they could be contributors and i know at that point miller had kind of gone through emotions with his injuries he wasn't the same player and and i believe when they cut joel they had already kind of replaced him with birdman i'm not sure if i had the timeline right there um and Pretty so close. you know it's me trying to not justify, but trying to understand why they did it. I also definitely think that it can be put in the top five, but it's hard, right? Because I keep saying no to all of these. I only have two of my top five so far and we're reaching the end of this list. So I'm a little bit all over the place myself. 
it's hard to give put this one in the top five just because of how successful that run was. Like, I understand, you know, 2011 was ugly and then 2014 was ugly. They were in the finals four straight years and they were a great team for four straight years. We know 2014 didn't feel all that great, but they were still a really good team. Like, I just think um, that run was special. Everything was worth it. Even having to give up extra picks to give those guys six-year deals in 2010 that they ended up not fulfilling. All of it was worth it. It was a magical run. And, you know, I think Miller losing Miller and Anthony was, was kind of unfortunate. But if I'm being honest, I don't really think that's what kind of stopped short the run. Like LeBron has kind of, you know, made it sound in the past like that. Those those two things cut short the run. I don't know. You know, I obviously do not know the situation in the locker room, anything. That's I think that's something that Ethan probably could have uh, spoken about more. I just feel in general. Um, they ran out of gas at the end of the run. Like they had all their guys were pretty much old legs for the most part. And they looked really old, right? The same players that looked very good the season before just didn't look as good. They were like 75%, you know, more or less uh, of what they were before. And I think that's kind of something what happened with that, um, you know, that Avery Bradley Moharkless year, right? Where like you had guys like Iguodala, Goron, just a couple guys who were already a little bit older and, just, just looked up. too old. Yeah. And also the other thing was that bubble run. Obviously they had come off of whatever it was, three, four months of no basketball and just straight rest. And, you know, that's why a lot of guys looked really good. You had Anthony Davis hitting jump shots in a way that he hasn't done before or since, but <laughs> my bad. I just had to throw that shot in there and the, you know, because of the Lakers and their Mickey mouse ring, but no, seriously. Um, that's fire. Damn. No, I'm sorry. I just had to bring that back. But seriously, I, I think, I can't put that in the top five. I'm going to have to look this over, but I, I can't put the big three stuff top five. Would you put, you, you said you wouldn't put Zoe, Timmy mash. Um, nah, see like, we're not five. even going to land on five. That's the beauty of this because the worst one that, that even needs to be talked about, we haven't brought up yet. And it's, and I, I am going to throw a few curveballs at you that I didn't put on the list. Just trying to think of some extra things, but before we do uh, one more sponsor, um, because it's related to the last one we're going to get to, uh, at least in this way, uh, when a disaster strikes in your home or business and you need specialized, fast, reliable service, you need to go to Water Cleanup of Florida. They understand the impact and stress any unexpected disaster may cause. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael Robert and the team is prepared to handle any size disaster. The guys are third generation contractors in South Florida. So continuing to maintain their sterling reputation is extremely important to them. Their objective is to make the cleanup an insurance claim process painless and hassle-free they're licensed building contractors a to z service one-stop shopping these are who you need to go to they can get it all done for you with one stop super efficient call michael anytime on his personal cell 954-579-0356 again that's water cleanup of florida call michael 954-579-0356 if you got the schmutz they got the guts so, yeah, when I talk about disasters, let's get to it, man. Maxing Hassan Whiteside and letting Dwayne Wade walk in the same offseason. Like back at that time, I, I defended the move. It, it, there's no defending it today. Not trading Hassan sooner, I put on here because I'm just, I'm a hater. Yeah, I was going to say, I was waiting for you to group them together there. I kind of um, like it, though, because... It's funny, man. This all is kind of connected, right? So, like, the Hassan stuff is is like <laughs> – he is the common denominator here when you think about 
not only losing Dwayne in that offseason where they chose to max him, I believe they could have still brought back Dwayne despite Max and Hassan, right? Like they didn't necessarily get in the way of each other, but it was just the optics of like, you know, as soon as free agency opened, you're seeing the tweets about how the Heat are focused on Hassan, that, you know, the next morning and, and all the reports are coming out about his market and he seems offering and just stuff is quiet with Dwayne because clearly they, you know, they were, I think, was that the Durant? It was. It was. So like they got Hassan locked up and then they were going to go after Durant and they were prioritizing that and then saying they'd circle back to Dwayne. But just the optics of it in retrospect now, when you see what Hassan Whiteside turned into uh, in terms of that, he got that huge contract, was not reliable, could not be played. Spolstra didn't trust him. Um, it, it was That was the darkest era of Heat basketball. I mean, so like, and I know that I'm a little bit biased here. It, it, it easily for me is the number one uh, mistake ever. And there were moments I remember when, when Hassan was before he got his contract and they were having some challenges in the locker room. And someone mentioned to me, they're not going to offer him a max contract. There's no way they won't even make the offer. And, um, <laughs> and they eventually made the offer and then they were stuck with him. And it's, it's funny because it's like he ended up like, like I said, he was one of the reasons Dwayne or, you know, one of the perceived reasons that the Dwayne to Chicago thing happened. And then you have Dwayne in Chicago playing with Jimmy Butler. And then you go to the other one that you said, right. Um, not trading Hassan sooner. Well, Hassan ended up being super useful in that trade for Jimmy Butler. That's so like, true. He's the common denominator in all of this where it's like, yeah, maybe it would have been cool. Cause I remember I was also clamoring. Curse. Yeah, I was definitely clamoring at the time for at least a season and a half. I remember a lot of us were um, for them to move on from him, you know, Al Horford, Dwight Howard. We, we had gone through all of those options at the oh time for like, you know, guys that we could potentially trade Hassan for. And it ended up working out, you know, I think very favorably for them because you just, you know, you traded him, Josh. And what was it? A first. And you got back Jimmy and, and uh yeah, the rest is history. So I definitely I might put it in the top five despite that. <laughs> All that being said, and him being the common denominator, I still think, you know, maxing us on and not really prioritizing uh Dwayne is kind of a bad move. And then that I, I will I'm not gonna put not trading him sooner in there, but I will put maxing him and not prioritizing Dwayne in that top five for sure. Yeah. So those should be separate. You know what? You're, you're, you're right. Actually, I, there's a not prioritizing Dwayne was a, I know that it was at the same time period, but it was very much siloed in comparison to the white side situation. Like there, those were not what collided. It was this thing going after Durant while they already had white side locked up. Uh, so, so those are two separate ones. See, um, we're making up the rules here. Uh, and then I'd say, the the Dion JJ offseason. So we're we're getting we're getting close here. How about this that came out today that Kyrie Irving was willing to take less money because of state income tax reasons to come to Miami and if um if he would be signed to a long-term deal and Miami didn't pursue. That was that was was around NBA Twitter today, Alex. If that is true. Would that be in the top five of uh, Pat Riley blunders? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Like them, they're all about Kevin Durant and uh, to probably a lesser extent, Donovan Mitchell. And so I definitely don't fault them for not going all in on Kyrie. And that report, I mean, it, it didn't come from one of the mainstream NBA reporters. So it's hard to give it full credibility. I know people were saying that I don't remember the, the show, the radio show that um, was putting that out there. People were kind of defending them, saying that they had gotten a couple of other things right this summer, I think with regards to Gobert. So, you know, maybe they have got a stuff right in the past before. I have no idea, but it is interesting because it's kind of um, a reasonable thing to speculate about, right? Like, oh, Kyrie might be willing to come to Miami, you know, awesome city, no state tax. He has a relationship with Jimmy. So him coming for a bit less um, probably is a reasonable thing um, to expect considering that it's not like he had a market of other teams offering him a shit ton of money. So excuse my French there. Just like the Nets obviously were not giving him that. And he ended up going with the one-year opt-in. I think he really wanted that um, long-term deal and didn't get it. So um, maybe he was willing to take a little bit less. Uh, I'm skeptical about the report. And regardless, even if it is true, I wouldn't put it in the top five. Although I am, like we talked about in other pods, I'm definitely in on the risks that come with trading for Kyrie. Maxing Duncan Robinson. Is it in the mix? 95 million for Duncan? <laughs> oh man, you threw that on me on the spot. That is a tough one. I don't think you can put a top five. I don't know, man. I think he's just gonna be is that there... tradable contract now. He's gonna get moved for a starter, and then that's the end of that. Like he got paid as an elite shooter, and that's exactly what he did. And you know, you see all these other guys like Harris and Bertans, you know, others getting paid in a similar market. It's tough to put it up there, even though I know the Duncan thing has just not turned out great. You know, he went from starter to not being in the rotation, he's going to get moved and we're going to forget about him. Is there any draft pick ones like, like mismanagement of a pick that I'm forgetting about? I mean, and I know that Drafting attacked, Shabazz Napier. <laughs> that was a bad one. That's true. That's we, that's good. Um, I was unlike them. Right. That was kind of like a, a unlike the heat to, to cave that way. I think the yeah. way did. Like that I know was, Napier was a champion in college, right? I'm not going to act like he was some scrub or something, but I, I think we all know that they wouldn't have drafted him. No, he don't scream Miami Heat player. Come on. I mean, no. he's a good, polished player, but I mean, come on. So I, oh. I'm with you on that. Drafting um, Norris Cole over Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I can't do that I play. to no Cole. I, no play. Cole. I hope Norris is not listening to this. We know. Yeah, no, I, I was... he, he served a really good role on those yeah. big three teams. Like they needed to find more Norris Cole. Yeah, and he I was actually – the only find, like, guy out of that whole four-year run in, that actually panned out in the draft. So that was definitely not a shot at Norris. Absolutely not. I think it's just funny that Jimmy went like a couple picks right after. And I, I don't remember if they traded up for Norris or not, but he was, he was in that range. Yeah. So I think we've kind of landed on a grouping of them here. Uh, but I truthfully don't want to define five because – that would be the way that I would end a Pat Riley podcast where we're being critical and we're looking over his mistakes. Because I think if we were to do this same exercise in reverse, it would be quite stunning. And maybe we will get to do that. Um, so I'm going to close with this question because it's related to maybe we will get to do that if certain things happen this offseason. But Alex, if nothing happens this offseason, this is it. This is the team they go in with next year. PJ Tucker left. Does it have even the chance of getting into the top five of what we've discussed so far on this podcast? I will say it definitely has a chance. 
I was gonna say if if your question was, is it in the top five? If they have if it happens, like it might not be in my top five immediately, but it definitely has the chance to be because I think we know how little time this window has to succeed, right? And I'm not gonna act like it hasn't been gen, you know, pretty successful. Obviously, we know that they're all about titles, but just I, you know, I brought it up before in, in a three season run to get to the finals and to get one win away, one shot away from the finals, pretty successful run considering, you know, the type of talent we're talking about here. It's not, you know, top five players or whatever you have in your roster, but what we, you know, what you do have is Jimmy Butler, who is kind of on the other side of 30, um, still at the top of his game. And I think because of that, the way that you've seen him step it up to such a degree in the playoffs, it would be a shame if they could not get him some more help to actually, you know, get over the hump and win that title. And I know it's way easier said than done, right? We see that they're going all out for these whales to get him the proper help. But, it's, you know, if that stuff doesn't work out, I think to run it back with this roster, um, you know, for the whole season into the playoffs specifically is a mistake. I think it's a big mistake towards uh, Jimmy, Kyle, you know, just the guys who are trying to win a title right now and kind of what – what this whole thing was about, right? It's It was about continuing to add and continuing to get better, understanding that it's a really, really uh, successful run as it's been so far. They can always be better. We know that they know that. And I think just going into, like trying to imagine myself covering the next playoffs with the roster as it stands right now, it seems a little bleak compared to where we were last season when it felt like they were all in and then talked about, you know, heading into the off season about getting better. So I, I think I wouldn't put it immediately in the top five. It could get there. It could definitely get there if they run the season out like that. You know, other guys don't take jumps and it just ends up going uglier than you expect. The stakes are high. I think that that's what you're getting at. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a build where it'll end up in the discussion because the team is that good and they're that relevant and they're that close. So I think you're right. You're, you're on there. Um, we're not defining the five because why poke holes in um, what I think an exercise that has ultimately landed me in a place of gratitude that like this is really where um, we're arguing about uh, kind of the tertiary aspects of basketball for the most part, because there's been a lot of really good runs and successful sustained uh, stuff happening in Miami. But I guess I'm just going to pull the 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 heat lifer card and say that maxing hassan and the whole hassan Whiteside experience <laughs> ranks as number one for me um so if i bring beasley back a fifth time is no, my number one i i bees was i'm glad he got them checks man get that guaranteed money um but let's yeah. get him one more eh, i don't know about that but he's too good to be in the big three like that's not even that's fair yeah that's he, factual he's over there like, showing up guys who just cannot keep up with him at all yeah, Michael Beasley is a he's so good at scoring. Um, shout out to Michael Beasley. And by the way, no, Ethan is not slick missing this episode on the one where he doesn't You're want damn right. You know what he's doing and the front office. Yeah, no, he's just lobbing it up to us as the sunshine pumpers to to completely go the other way and embrace the negativity and stop with you know the quote unquote toxic positivity. And Ethan slunk away from that. So we see you, Ethan. This is this is very true. And and putting me up to run point guard on this episode like this is a spiritual battle. There were moments in my life where I wouldn't have done a show like this, but here we are and we are finished. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back the rest of the week. We know it's the dead time, but at any moment, a transaction could hit. And when the Woj bomb hits or the Shams bomb hits, 
where we hear anything, you will hear it immediately on Off the Floor. Subscribe there. Thank you for joining us. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.